0: Uh, welcome back. What we're going to do now is we're going to bring Andrew Doyle on stage. If you don't know what Trigonometry is, it's a YouTube show where we interview people who have interesting and controversial ideas sometimes. Uh, Andrew's been on the show a couple of times, and, but the last time we interviewed him was an ou- uh, a year ago, and we did not know at the time. He didn't even tell us that he was the creator of Titania McGrath. So uh, please welcome to the stage Andrew Doyle. Thank you. It's good to have you back. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's uh, fun. Well, uh, tell us, uh, why did you create Titania McGraw? Uh
1: Okay, so um, for those of you who don't know, uh, she's a Twitter character predominantly, and I started it about uh, in last April, and the idea of the character was to kind of embody that kind of um, radical, fourth-wave feminist, intersectionalist, woke uh, activist. And uh, I did it as a satirical character on Twitter, and then she got a book deal, and then... <laughs> <laughs> and then um, then turned into a live show, and that's sort of uh, that's uh, how it happened to sort of run away out of my hands a little bit.
2: And why do you think it struck such a nerve? Because you started I, it last April. How many Twitter followers does it now have?
1: Oh, I don't like three hundred eighty thousand. I think. But I think what what happened was uh, very early on because I did it sort of as, as for, for myself, you know, as a kind of laugh. And uh, very early on, on, what happened is it started getting retweeting a lot, and particularly when because I, I wanted her to be like a slam poet, so because I, I was really I'm really like. Slam poetry, well, I, you know, it's so bad, isn't it? And it's, it's like it's, it's really bad. And I love, I love watching them do it because they stand there and they sort of do that really sort of uh, self-important pausing at the start, you know, where like, oh they I've just got to get into character, and and then they launch into it, and it's just terrible. And, um, it, and it's always really earnest. I love that sort of stuff. It's really earnest, and it's about important things. It's my my truth, you know. And so I thought it'd be quite good, um, for her to do that. Um, and so I, the, when I was writing the poems and putting poems out there they tend to get retweeted quite a lot and then it started getting retweeted by sort of more prominent what they call amplifiers like on Twitter um, and then she got permanently banned and um, so she'd been banned a couple of times right um, and then she was permanently banned and I had an email saying Titania's gone you cannot come back and then loads of people sort of kicked off about it and they emailed me again saying oh it's alright she's back again so they <laughs> undid the permanent ban right <laughs> Twitter call it a permanent suspension, which is a semantic contradiction. But, um, but they're not literate, you know. So I, I they're not though. Um, and so they, but they obviously like. So this is the weird thing about it. like. So she's had now four seven day suspensions, multiple one day suspensions, a, a full permanent ban. Um, so Twitter obviously don't like this character. They're not going to verify her. They won't do anything like that. So they hate the character because of ideological reasons. Um, because of course. Twitter and YouTube and Google and Facebook—all of these big sort of Silicon Valley tech giants—are all very woke, and they—they all have the same political mindset. And actually, they have to, in order to get a job, because there are thousands of moderators uh, at, at these companies who sit there, and there's, there's these woke people who sit there deciding, no, you can't say that; you should say this. These little Mary Whitehouses, in, 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 but they're just trendy and young, you know, and they're and they're deciding what you should and what you shouldn't say. Uh, and in fact, you have to answer a questionnaire. In order to get the job to prove that you're sufficiently woke. And that's why they've all got the exact same mindset. So so they ha- so they obviously hate Tanya, you know? And that, but it was after the ban, just to make the point that after the permanent ban, when that was revoked, the next day I got twenty thousand followers within twenty-four hours. Because it's the Streisand effect. So you ban someone and then they, they get amplified. So that's really why it's, why it's Well happening. we
0: recently had the same thing with an interview we did with Posey Parker. Yeah. It was a very controversial gender. There we go. Some of you watched it. Um, uh, so it got uh, taken down from YouTubers' quote, hate speech. Yes. And then two days later, it got reinstated. And then now it's got 10 times the views that it had at the right, time. Right, exactly. Yes. Exactly.
1: But it never works. This stuff never works. I don't understand why, if you know anything about history, you know that censorship doesn't work. It just gives, gives the ideas you're trying to crush a kind of credence. And, and so it, it, it's self-defeating on their part. You know what I mean? I think if they, if they, if they hate... What you stand for, then, don't draw attention to it.
0: Well, in Nazi in uh, Weimar Germany, they had l- hate speech laws against anti semitism. Yeah. You, you could not be anti semitic.
1: Right, exactly. I mean, Goebbels was prosecuted. All sorts of Nazis were prosecuted under hate speech laws, and they used it as a major PR exercise, and it gave them a massive boost. And this is the big myth about hate speech. It's like you know, if, if only we'd had hate speech laws to stop Hitler. No, it helped him. It always happens like this, and so and the phrase hate speech doesn't mean anything. It, it means the opinion I don't like. You can't quantify that. And for me, I, I, this is why I, I do believe that hate speech laws need to be abolished full stop, because I don't trust the state. I definitely don't trust Silicon Valley plut- plutocrats, you know, billionaires, avaricious capitalists uh, who claim to be good and noble. I, I don't trust them and I don't trust the state. I don't want anyone deciding uh, what I can say. And plus, people should be allowed to, if they hate things, they should be allowed to say so. It's not up to me, you well, know. The, the way you deal with that is you attack those people. Like I I don't want to live in a society full of racists and homophobes and the rest of it, but I'd rather they were able to say what they th- what they think, you know. Uh, you know the, the the we know who they are. Firstly, we know who they are. You know, you don't drive them away so that they sort of fester and never be challenged. That's the first thing because that just that just endorses their own views. That that emboldens them. And the other thing is, you know, I I. I I don't think that's the best way to... I think any response to nasty, offensive speech is is to critique, ridicule, counter-argue, or whatever, because that way you can deal with it. But trying to shut it down actually always, inevitably, amplifies that. And that's why I I say this a lot, and I'm very serious about this, and and I, I think people don't take it seriously. I believe that the woke movement and the social justice movement, as it currently stands, is doing... The PR, on behalf of the far right, it is amplifying and boosting the far right without meaning to. I think it's probably well-intentioned, but I think it's doing all the wrong things, and it is self-defeating.
2: Can I just say, we've been talking for ten minutes, and we've already spoke for about three of them on the Nazi, so well done, everybody. Right. <laughs> we've already got straight into Sorry, it. Sorry, yeah, but... Uh, and and why do you think the character of Titania has been labelled far right?
1: I mean, it's a nonsense, isn't
2: it? Oh, yeah, absolutely is.
1: Because people don't know what far right means... That's one thing. People have stopped reading books, and they don't know what. So I, I think there's a big confusion about what left and right means. I mean, it, I had the, even the Guardian called us both right-wing comedians, right? I think well, I mean you're further right than me, aren't you? Uh, like, like, thank you. Well, for I'm that. just saying, like, <laughs> <laughs> but well, the, yeah.
0: given the you are far right, yeah. Me being further right <laughs> yeah. than you,
1: yeah.
0: I'm pretty fucked up. Well, look, well. no, okay, no, you're so, an old school lefty. Yeah, exactly. I'm a centrist, right? That's what I mean. So we're both Nazis. So, so, so if you, <laughs>
1: if you take yeah. <laughs> if you take the spectrum of, of where we are you're you know, just objectively further right than me but then the Guardian is further right than me so I mean uh, that's the weird thing when the Guardian t- calls you right wing you think okay but even the Guardian doesn't know what it means anymore well they don't I mean I've had to, like, writers for the Guardian calling me alt-right so <laughs> like, I'm not that's opposed to everything I believe so you, do, you can't just, these labels, they don't mean anything people aren't educated politically I think that's part of the problem um, Titania is mocking the woke left but of course the problem is that the woke left aren't actually left they, they, they identify as left, but they don't know what left means. They're incredibly, incredibly bourgeois. Like, the, the woke movement is, it, you know this, you know this to be true. Like Whenever you, you hear this stuff online or you see a, um, an opinion column in the New Statesman or The Guardian coming from this very woke perspective, invariably, like nine times out of 10, that person is privately educated, really deeply privileged, uh, and they just want to talk about how oppressed they are. And, and you know, that's funny. Uh, ultimately, that's really funny.
0: So let's dig in because we use these terms left and right, and no one seems to know what they mean. I, I'm right. not sure I know what they mean anymore. So I guess in your sense, being left wing means a focus on class, on
1: class and economics and money. Right, right. That's what it's all about. Uh, and, and, and 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 you know that the, the 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 working man should have should own the means of production. You know this is it's the idea um, that you can just take away class and money and substitute uh, race, gender, sexuality, and identity politics is a complete misunderstanding of what. That's why tr- proper lefties, sort of old-school lefties, they never sit comfortably with this kind of identitarian woke thing. Bernie Sanders doesn't fit well with a woke template. Jeremy Corbyn doesn't either. When Jeremy Corbyn stands up and announces his pronouns, it feels weird, <laughs> right? Not, not least because there was no one in any doubt about what his pronouns were. Um, And it's weird. There's a weirdness about it, you know. When Jeremy Corbyn, uh, you know, does that speech at Loughborough, and and white people are charged an extra ten pounds to see it, and you just think, this stuff isn't—it's not what he really is. It's not what socialism is, and it's not what being on the left means. It's been sort of hijacked. And I think, I think I put it down to class issues. I put it down to the fact that, you know, seven percent of our country is educated privately. Those people. They run the media, the arts, all the the law, policing. Every so they are the influencers, but they're so. But they they're this privileged woke group, and that's the problem. And then you get this sense that this is everywhere. I mean, like we all, we see it every day, don't we? Get these articles, this constant churning of woke stuff down our throats, and you, you you get you you start to believe that this is the world we live in now, and it's not. It's a small minority. It's a tiny minority of really powerful, rich people who are pushing this woke narrative. You know, when Kamala Harris said. Um, recently, uh, that Trump won't win in 2020 because the world is woke now. (laughs) And and you're like, no, no, you're woke and your mates are woke. People aren't, the voters aren't, and you'll find out what come election day. You know, this is...
2: No, it's completely true what you said. So, this movement seems to have started as far as I can see from the last sort of 10 to 15 years. Yeah. And you say it's 7%, but why? Do you think it comes from guilt? The fact that these people are born into great wealth, they've had these wonderful lives, they look around the world, people are struggling, and then somehow they want to be able to feel
1: better about themselves whilst doing: nothing. I'd love to know why I don't know why i, I, I yeah it's, it's it, there's an odd inverse ratio isn't there when you like, the more privileged we become and the more uh, the more tolerant we become as a society you know we live in one of the most tolerant countries in the world where we don't have these problems of racism, sex and homophobia. I'm not saying they're not there. But when it happens, you notice it. It's weird because it's so unusual, isn't it? It's, it's uh, you know, whenever there's a homophobic attack in the news, everyone is furious. Everyone is outraged. You don't get these voices saying, oh, hang on a minute, maybe that was, you know. It, we live in that r- really sweet spot, you know. Um, and, it, I, I, and yet for some reason, now now that we've reached that point of greater tolerance, we're, we are more convinced than ever, or certain people are more convinced than ever, that we're worse than we ever were. So there's this weird thing going on. I don't I don't know why.
0: And it's interesting to me because in my show in Edinburgh which you know because you directed it, I,
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. I I love nepotism. This is like <laughs> just have my mates. This is how it works. Yeah. Um,
0: well, I every night one of the things I would say on stage is we live in one of the most welcoming open tolerant countries in the yeah. world. And as an immigrant I'm allowed to say that, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. You're not. <laughs> and every night the crowd would, would pull back. Like, I've just said, Harvey Weinstein is like a top lad or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Can I just say, we Anton, who's our producer, clip that, please, yeah, and yeah, let's yeah. make it go viral.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Someone will do it, won't they? Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, I, I, what I don't understand is how the, there's this terror... Yeah. Of just acknowledging a fundamental reality, it's weird, isn't which it? is yeah. that while, of course, there's racism and sexism, and homo- sexism in my case with the actor, actress, <laughs> uh, <laughs> intolerance, yeah. ho- all of these things exist, yeah. but they, they need to be taken in relation to the rest of the world. Right. We, we are one of the best places to be an immigrant in the world. Why is that a controversial idea? How have they created this idea that this
1: is somehow. So I think partly it's what you were saying, I think it's partly to with that sense of guilt. Um, I, I partly it's due with uh, our educational standards I think are, are pretty poor so I, 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 I think there's that people don't really know about history they don't know about context uh, they don't understand where we are uh, on a, that sort of historical spectrum um, why else is it? I want to get to the bottom of it I'd love to know why this is happening I think the big thing and I could be wrong this is supposition right I think the big thing is like so if you go back to the 80s and 90s you had this political correctness movement you know where we were. we were trying to work out Uh, We were trying to sort of agree on a social contract about the way we talk to each other. And that was a good thing. And you ended up with this kind of, there were mistakes made and people were fired for the wrong reason. It was very, very messy. But ultimately, we got to the point where you didn't have just open expressions of homophobia. People people at least know that they're free to do it. But if they do it, people aren't going to approve. that's a really good position to be in. Um, And that kept going when it should have stopped, I think. So I think we're at we've got this that's why I never talk about political correctness. I don't think what we're living through is a period of political correctness. I don't use that phrase. I think it's something I think it's the deformed offspring of political correctness. <laughs> and I don't know what you call that. And I really struggle with what to call that. Um it's a weirdly authoritarian um it's 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 a coterie of fantasists. It, I, right, so it reminds me of, so if you go back to the sort of 80s, 90s, there's a reason, right? There's a reason why all of the stuff you're going to read at the moment that's calling for bans and censorship and and, uh, and disapproving of com- comedians and their jokes, it's always going to be on left-wing press now. It's always in the garden. It's, it's the stuff that you would have re- read Daily Mail circa 1985, right? That's what it used to be. You used to have like the right-wing tabloids talking about we need to ban this film. We need to ban this filth. Uh, the movie crash that that, the express and the mail called for that to be banned. But that sort of stuff now you'll read on the, on the left. So something sort of flipped. Uh, And I don't know what, what I don't know what that is or why. Um, Maybe you have some insights, but do, do you see what I mean? I think it's a, something's gone wrong. Something's become twisted. And the values that we used to believe on the left have been forgotten. And particularly things about artistic freedom and freedom of expression. And I think the fantasists are now on the left where they used to be on the right. So if you read, like, a column from Richard Littlejohn back in the day, and he'd be talking about how the, the, the country is flooded with asylum seekers. And they're being washed with benefits and tiaras and hotel rooms and diamonds. <laughs> and like, and, and um, it was never easy to be an asylum seeker in this country, right? It's, this was this fantasy world that he lived in. But now it's the woke left live in this fantasy world. This is a fantasy world where everyone's a Nazi, where they're behind every pillar. There's probably a fascist over there. There's probably, you know, like, there's fascists in the. Boris Johnson using the word surrender is, is a dog whistle to fascists. It's a military metaphor. Like, it's, it, that's what I mean about literacy. I don't, I don't think. I, I, I think the woke movement has lost any kind of. It's, it's like they're trying to find. You know what it is? Like, so they identify as anti racist, they love racism. They can't get enough of it. They want to see it everywhere. So, 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 you know, Sarah Silverman blacking up for an anti-racist sketch. She's a racist. Yay! <laughs> we found another one. And like, and it's, 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 it's fucking a Mary Poppins, right? No, so I, I make this point because I tweeted as Tatania last August. I took that moment in Mary Poppins. I took a still. You know where she's got chimney soot on her face.
3: <laughs>
1: Do you remember that bit in the film? And I took a still, and I said as to Tania, I said, this is blackface, this is disgusting, <laughs> Julie Andrews in, indulging in blackface, she's a racist, right? That was in August, February of this year, the New York Times ran an article saying Mary Poppins and it's shameful flirting with blackface, <laughs> with, a, with a still from the same scene. Now that's the same as what I said, but I said it to take the piss, <laughs> right? There was an article two days ago in The Nation talking about how uh, Thanksgiving's a great time. Forget about avoiding conflict. Have a row with your Trump-supporting family. Get into a fight. (laughs) This was in The Nation. I wrote an article. I I did a fake article last last year saying if I don't have a punch-up with my grandmother over Christmas, over Brexit, I'll be really upset. It was the same (laughs) principle. And it really worries me that this stuff is so easy to predict it really worries me because anything I can come up with at the moment as ludicrous as it sounds is probably going to come true right? that's scary not least because I don't want that sort of power (laughs) I don't you're a comedian you do
2: want that sort of power no I don't I don't
1: I'm I'm frightened I'm terrified by my own prophetic ability (laughs) and And modesty uh, (laughs) no I don't have that
2: (laughs) uh, but there's a there's a question that I want to ask you, which is we see the left gradually eating itself. Now, you and I are both lefties and we you know, we eventually want a, a leftist government to come in. We believe that will make society fairer and all the rest of it. But you look at the behaviour of some of the people and in inverted commas on our team and you're like, well, you're ruining it. Yeah. How are you going to win hearts and minds if you just start screaming at each other? We don't
1: have a serious leftist option at the moment. That's the po- that, that, I don't think we've, we've got that. Um, do I... It's full of... the. the when you allow the woke movement to take over, you are allowing the bullies to take over. It's never gonna work. I mean, that's what's happened with, um, with Corbyn's band now. And, and, uh, and the worst thing about these bullies is they think they're good. So that's really scary. Um, and, and then you get all sorts of problems. So I don't, that's why I can never vote Corbyn again, because I think he's bought into all this identity politics nonsense. I think hiring Munro Bergdorf to be your advisor that's the LGBTQIA plus activist. I apologise if I missed out one of those fucking letters, um, but and and that makes me think he's not a thinker. He's not a free thinker. I think anyone anyone who buys into the woke movement I, I doubt their capacity for free free thinking because when you talk to them, So i got in an argument recently with someone who identifies as non-binary and as soon as as soon as they started talking i'm like i know your opinion about everything <laughs> now that's that i think is really scary because i'm no longer talking to an individual i'm talking to an ideology i'm talking to a cipher for an ideology and i don't want to feel like that because i like to treat people as individuals um, but it's like I, But if I can predict everything you're going to say or think about anything, you're no longer an individual, or indeed thinking for yourself. You know. I mean, this was this was a, someone who, who is a comedian apparently, and um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like you look to me when you. Said <laughs> <that>. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> and goes to various gigs, and she said to me, "Like I go, you don't understand. I go to." She? The, Yes, because she's female, evidently, right? No, no, I'm sorry. Look, the, the, the thing about this is there is a biological reality to gender. No!
3: Right? no! Well, uh,
2: Listen,
1: I'm not... Okay.
2: And that's I... the moment we get cancelled,
1: guys. Right, right? Okay, look, let me explain that. So I'm a, I'm a full-on liberal. I'm a liberal. So I, I believe you should be able to call yourself whatever you want, identify wh- however you want, and, and I have no problem with that. And also there are people who, are, who, who genuinely feel in their, in their heart that they have been born into the wrong body and want to do something about it. And that is, not, that is something I support wholeheartedly. Do whatever you need to do, right? So the idea of but non-binary as a label is a form of self-identification which has no grounding in reality. Right? It is the idea of, it's actually an incredibly conservative idea, because what you're saying is, my version of being feminine or being masculine isn't right, I'm not, it's not, I'm not feeling it. So what you're in, in fact doing is saying that I believe that actually boys should behave this way, and girls should behave that way. It's incredibly conservative. You're reinforcing conservative values of gender. I don't think there's a problem with a girl, a little girl, being a tomboy. I don't think there's a problem with a little boy behaving in an effeminate way because I don't believe in those issues. I don't. I think so. I, I don't like people reinscribing the kind of conservative ideas about gender that we tried to get rid of. That's what I mean. So, I, so, um, so if you want to call yourself non, non-binary, non-binary, that's fine, and I will support your right to do so, and I will, su- and I will oppose anyone who tries to demonise you for doing so. But I'm not going to expect other people to believe that it has any material reality. Okay, uh, it's a gender we've bought into this faith-based idea that gender is entirely a social construct. Right? It's not. It's a it's a very complicated blend of social and cultural and biological factors, and we don't always fully understand it. Um, so any kind of ideologue that comes along and says no, it's hundred percent about biology, or no, it's a hundred percent about about a society and about culture, they're both wrong and they're both uh, 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 unwilling to look at nuance, right? So that's why, sorry, this just came because I misgendered someone, right? <laughs> that's, that's all this came from, you know? I, well, you were
0: talking about this comedian. Okay,
1: so, so what she was saying was that you go to a club and go up and um, like th- constantly be having to berate comedians for the jokes they tell, right? And, and, and I was expected to say that I support this. I'm like, I'm surprised I'm, surprised I'm been punched, to be honest. Like, so the idea of, and it's really kind of, but I think it's authentic. I think this person felt genuinely harmed and hurt by the jokes that the, the, these comedians were telling. And that's just very scary, because firstly, that suggests that there's a misunderstanding of what comedy is, right? But also there's a real sense of entitlement there. That's what worries me about. It. It's like it's almost like the whole world is different to what I want it to be. So I'm gonna demand, not just persuade or talk, but I'm gonna demand that the whole world changes around me. And I just totally mistrust that. If I get married tomorrow and I meet a uh, say an evangelical Christian, and that evangelical Christian says, I do not, I do not accept your relationship. I'm not gonna call that person your husband, I can say, Well, hold on a minute, can we have a discussion about it? or whatever? But ultimately, I can't say if you don't call this person my husband, you should be arrested. It's up to them, that's their freedom, that's their, that's their conscience. So that's my that's my dis- defining line. The liberal perspective is you can call yourself what you want and be whatever you want and say whatever you want. But once you try to impose by law uh, your own values onto someone else, then'm that's an illiberal perspective to hold, right? So that's why I'm not on board with this idea of misgendering. If someone wants to call me she, they can. Right. And I can say, well, that's just factually wrong. Um, But but they I'm not, you know, what am I going to do? That's uh, that's their call. It's a bit stupid. But I mean, it's like (laughs) that's their call, isn't it? It, it?
2: it, it goes back to that conversation you and, and I had at Unleashed, where before, you know, the difference between men and women was the hackest topic in comedy. Yeah. But now yeah. it's cutting edge and I even <laughs> fucking dangerous. Yeah, exactly. But like the moment you started talking about binary differences between men and women, there was a real tension. There's a real in
1: tension in the room. But why? Like, it's, it's, you should be able to, also, we need to be able to, first thing we need to be able to discuss this stuff, right? And we need to be able to joke about this stuff, right? And by talking about it and discussing, you're not endorsing hatred against a particular group right the opposite you're saying let's talk about why you feel the way you feel and let's see how we can make this work um you know I'm, i'm against that kind of intolerance i'm against uh hatred right but once you start using language like you are erasing my right to exist what you're doing there is you're conflating speech and violence and they're very very different things and it's a trick it's rhetorical sleight of hand and it shouldn't be trusted it's gone very serious. No, I
0: mean. it has. <laughs> uh, We're going to do a Q&A in about 10 minutes. But before we get to that, I, I wanted to pick up on this thing that you mentioned about uh, the woke movement reinforcing stereotypes. Yeah. It's like the joke that Titania made about Francis looking Jewish, right? Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, and I love Jews because they're cunning and all this kind of stuff, <laughs> right? right? Like, it seems to me that a lot of this stuff is actually reinforcing a lot of stereotypes. For example, yeah. you are not gay because you don't buy into it right you're right. automatically not your gayness is erased by this thing or black people right. are not black if they don't vote for the democratic party or whatever it is sounds like a joke but that's what people are saying that's what people say yeah yeah yeah.
1: yeah they're saying that to be to be gay is if you uh, basically are on the left <laughs> 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 or, or, like, or, or you know like Alexander the Great um, he's uh, very tolerant uh, yeah. very tolerant this idea that, that and I, this is why I think it's so, it's rooted in a kind of homophobia and racism, you know, because it's this idea that basically if you're gay, you're, you're all the same, aren't you? Or you should all think the same way. You're not individuals with, with different ideas. You know, there is no difference between, you know, uh, Reggie Cray and Christopher Biggins. You know, the, the, like, the,
3: the,
1: you know it's like... You're It'd be all... a hell of a podcast, Andrew. Right.
3: <laughs> but
1: I, fi- I find that... I find that more homophobic uh, than, than what is often called homophobia. Uh, I find that worse. I find the patronizing view of minorities. I find it when people say, you know, we had this de- it was at the Battle of Ideas where we had the debate where someone said, you know, about joking about Islam. And like, if, you, if you're saying that we shouldn't joke about Islam, I'm going to ask you why you have such a low opinion of Muslims, frankly. Why do you, why do you, why do you look down on Muslims like this, where you think they can't have a joke? What's the matter with you? I, I think that's and that's why I think a lot. That's why Titania is really a bit racist, and she she is a bit homophobic. She's got all those prejudices that she's projecting on everyone else. Because I think the woke movement, even though it's it's weird, it's a well-intentioned racism. When did that happen? It's 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 well-intentioned, all of it, and yet it's it, it's it, it looks down on on groups. So it's it's like white liberals deciding what people of color should think. What is going? This is this is the weirdness of it, you know. And if they were just. If it was malevolent, I'd find it easier to deal with. That's the weird thing. If, if, they, were, if they were just cunts,
3: then, then... Well, they are cunts, but they're,
1: but they're inadvertently cunts, right? Um, some of them aren't nice. Like, so we, have to, we shouldn't let them all off the hook. So a, a certain contingent of the woke group are unpleasant human beings who just want to exert power. Um, and a lot of them are comedians, let's be honest about it. And um, they're just not nice. They're bullies who enjoy bullying. That's what it is, and and the reason why they get so angry about Titania is because it's someone standing up to the bullies, and they don't like it. That's that's really what it is.
0: Well, one person tried to agree with you during that speech. Yeah. Everyone else doesn't give a fuck. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Should we? Do you want to do one more question before we take it to the audience? Yeah. So you were talking that you were
2: prophetic and uh, yes, you're you boasting. I think no. <laughs> you've gone fully into <laughs> character. <laughs> so we are where we are. It's the end of the year. What do you think 2020 is going to bring, as far as we
1: can see? Okay. I think it'll be a Tory majority. Yep. Uh, I think Trump will win again. Uh, I know I'm smiling when I'm saying that, but it's like, I'm not a fan of Trump, but part of me likes that it's annoying these people. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I I know there's a lot at stake, but... It's just, its the look of their face, you know. It's like—it's like. It's like well, he
0: triggers them like no other. I yeah, mean,
1: I love that he tweeted that picture of himself superimposed onto Rocky's <laughs> body. I look like it's—it's—it's. It's, it's, he is really funny, and that's it. And uh, but uh, but by the same token, like, I don't want the president of the United States to be funny, so I I really don't. But since he is, you know, let's let's just like. I mean, wasn't that thing with Ellen Omar where she she wanted to go back to 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 see her grandmother in Palestine, and. Uh, and uh, no, she, she'd applied to the Israeli government and they'd said, uh, uh, yeah, okay, you can if you just see your dying grandmother. And then, and then, uh, and then she replied, saying, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to dig down, no, or whatever it was. And, uh, and then Trump said, well, the only winner in this situation is her grandmother, who won't have to see her.
3: <laughs>
1: and that was... And that was tweeted out from... And... It's funnier because it's the president. That m- that automatically makes it funnier, right? I'm not a Trump supporter. No, but I agree with you. And I
0: think the thing that if you, if you, if you pay attention to the democratic debates, yeah. the Democrats, like you were talking about Kamala Harris, they've decided that they weren't woke enough. Right.
1: And they're going to go further off the deep end. Right. So that's why Nancy Pelosi hates the squad. Yeah. She, she can't stand the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortezes of this world because they, whenever you think of democrat you're, n- you're now thinking of her and that was that's trump's that's trump's plan i guess yeah it's a really it good call because because woke politics is an electoral death it doesn't work people aren't going to vote for it um they just convince themselves in their little bubbles that they will
2: but but in a way it doesn't matter to them because i see a lot of the people who are on that sort of momentum side of the labor party and yeah. they almost don't care if they win because they have two narratives number one if they win, we won. We're great. You know, the, the world is a better place. Or number yeah. two, the world is racist. It doesn't matter.
1: Well, yeah, that's it. So it, if they lose, it proves their point that yeah. there's a problem.
0: Yeah, we had James Lindsay uh, of the Hoax Papers on trigonometry uh, last week, and this is one of the things that he was saying is essentially is if they lose, they will only see it as reinforcement of their view. They're basically yeah. say, well, we lost because the world is racist and terrible yeah. and bigoted. Right. Exactly. And that's why everyone voted for Trump again. They don't. They don't. They actually don't see it.
1: They no, don't see and, and, they, and they don't see uh, that when they lose, the best thing to do is to reflect on why you you lost, and maybe with a bit of introspection, you'd realise that you're the problem. Um, but they don't do that. They didn't do that after Hillary lost. They didn't stop and think, well, why did we put up this, uh, you know, millionaire hawkish character <laughs> who was really an unattractive, uh, not I don't mean physically, but I mean like uh, like an unattractive prospect as a candidate. Um, this dynastic idea, who felt entitled to the presidency, you know, what, there were all sorts of problems. Someone who was willing to play identity politics and divide up the electorate in, according to race and gender and sexuality, and say, well, "We'll help you guys, we'll help the Latinos, and we'll help the women, and we'll help the gays," and and actually, we know we know that that doesn't work in terms of elections. So why why not do that rather than go out on a big march in pussy hats and sort of compound the problem? <laughs> why do that? That doesn't make any sense to me. You know, you know. It, same in this country, you know, I guarantee it'll be the same after, after Labour, lose. I think they will lose, yeah. and after they do, there's going to be lots of people saying, well, there's a, there's a the, uh, you know, we've bought into this narrative in this country, and this is the real problem, the left have bought into this, this fake narrative that Brexit was about race, okay, and they've bought into this idea that we live in a racist country, and we just don't, and the more they say that the more resentment they're going to generate from the vast majority of just normal nice people who are sick of being called racist it's, it's, it's just not going to work
0: what I see in that is, and tell me if you agree with it, it's kind of like almost a little bit like we're living through the last days of the Roman Empire, where right. we've lost so much confidence. Quite grandiose. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. Keep yeah, it, it is. light, mate. Fucking.
3: Uh. <laughs> At least he didn't say Russian Empire. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it wasn't really that great. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but it is, that we've lost confidence in ourselves as a as a civilization as a culture just to, to such an extent that we're now being encouraged to be shame to feel shame rather than pride in who we are i think i see yeah, of I mean, that in, in that
1: i'm not i'm not nationalistic i don't ha- really have that so i don't I, but i do understand the uh the idea but i also don't think there's anything wrong with being nationalistic and i don't think there's anything wrong with being acknowledging where you're from without without sort of linking it to a, a sense of shame or sin you know, I don't think that's helpful either.
0: All right, let's open up to the audience. If you've got a question, just stick your hand up and we'll try and get as many as we can. Oh, you said the front. Go for it. Yeah. Go for it.
2: Uh, Sorry, you might be... Yeah.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> um, yeah. I'd be interested in your view on... It's interesting you say you won't support Corbyn because um, I know that, broadly speaking, you're on board with his economics. Aren't yeah. You? Two questions. One, I have a whole bunch of friends who still refuse to believe that Corbyn is anti-EU. Yeah and utterly deny any issue whatsoever of anti-Semitism within the party. Okay, so because if I... The reason I voted for Corbyn in 2017, the reason I liked him when he first came to power, the reason I supported him before he was leader is because I got a sense from him that this is someone who is not speaking through a kind of PR machine. He's literally saying what he thinks, and I found that really refreshing. Um, I don't believe he is doing that anymore. He's the biggest Eurosceptic. He hates the EU. He's been opposing it for 40 years consistently. He wants us out. And I, if he'd have just said, look, I want, us, I want us to leave the EU, if he'd have said the truth, which you, you can't really call yourself a socialist if you support the European Union. Those two things simply cannot work because capitalism is built into the constitution of the European Union. Okay? It's, it's, it's a pro-corporate body. So there is no way you can... Those two things cannot be married together, and he knows that. But he won't do it. And the reason why is because he's a, this support base of largely middle-class pro-EU uh, uh, capitalists who like, to, who like to call themselves left-wing. That's the, that's, the, that's the first thing. And then when you see the interview with Andrew Neil, where, the, where Andrew Neil says to him... Uh, see, I've never heard Corbyn say anything explicitly anti-Semitic, so I'm very wary of putting that label onto him. But what I would say... Is he was he was asked an example of I think Andrew Neil quoted a obviously anti-Semitic trope, and he had to bully Corbyn into saying that's an anti-Semitic trope.
0: Rothschild conspiracy, yeah, right,
1: exactly. So he's not being honest there. That's the, so he knows that's an anti-Semitic trope. Anyone does. So and what he's trying to do there is the same with the Brexit thing. He's trying to keep people in his party together because there are there are people who uh, who let's face it. Um, have, a, have such a problem with Israel that it does tip over into that into that world. And he's trying to keep them on side, but he's trying to keep the other lot on side. And then with Brexit, he's trying to keep the Eurosceptics on side as well as the uh, the uh, pro-EU people. So um, that means he's not being honest anymore. And that, that's So he's behaving like every other politician, and that's not why I liked him. That's what I mean.
0: Well, you know, on the anti-Semitism thing, it's, it's an interesting thing because 87% of British Jews now think that Uh, Jeremy Corbyn's anti-Semitic 84% think the Labour Party is anti-Semitic a number of Jewish MPs have left the Labour Party now riddle me this if Diane Abba, David Lammy and Dawn Butler had left the Labour Party claiming that it was institutionally anti-black and 87% of British black people thought that the Labour Party was racist against black people would we be having this conversation?
1: (laughs) in any way? But we still should, in a sense, in that I don't trust these labels insofar as I, I need some evidence. Calling someone an anti-Semite, as in calling someone a racist or calling someone a homophobe, is quite a serious accusation. And I, I need some specific evidence of that, which I haven't seen of Corbyn. But I think, I, I think the fact that he won't... Because I, I could tell from that interview that he knew that that was an anti-Semitic trope. He just didn't want to say it for political reasons. That doesn't equate to anti-Semitism, but it certainly, doesn't, uh, it certainly won't quell the fears of Jewish people.
2: Right, uh, who else would like... Uh, yes, uh, so a gentleman over there with your hand up. I'm afraid you're going to have to shout because I can't reach over with the mic. It's actually a
0: lady. Well done, mate. Uh, um, uh, at
2: Trigonometry, it. we don't see gender.
0: Thank you very much. <laughs> just, just shout, please, mate. I'm not seeing, uh, not seeing any masculinity in here at all. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, just curious, the,
1: uh, the free speech stuff. I'm yeah. just wondering how we start to roll that back, given the level of institutional, charities, HR departments, NHS schools that are all sort of jumping on board this, you know, curbing free speech and and trying to make people say certain things, compelling speech about gender specifically, obviously, I'm talking. Yeah. So I'm just wondering how we start to roll this back because we we seem to be fighting... We're we're fighting a big tide here of of compulsive speech, basically, and that concerns me greatly. Yeah, and you're right to be concerned. It's the thing about... Firstly, I think we need to scrap the quangos. I think we need, we need to stop the government outsourcing powers to people who will decide what we can and cannot hear and see. Uh, the example I've given before is about the Advertising Standards Agency, who decided that certain adverts that promote gender stereotypes are, are to be banned so that we're not, I don't know, what radicalised by that. I don't know what that, <laughs> that even means. So, so you've got like a group of woke idiots in an office saying, well, look in the Volkswagen advert, there's a woman with a pram. And that might suggest that women can be mothers, and and um, and and then you'll have all these people thinking that women can be mothers. So I think I think, so we we get rid of the patronising quangos, um, but the problem is that it's so in, it's so in the publishing industry. The arts, all of these things. It's, it's the government. There's, there's very few politicians who are willing to stand up for free speech, who are willing to stand up and make a, a an anti woke argument. And the only way it's going to happen probably is through legislation and things like that. But so the recent case of Harry Miller, who who is currently fighting a legal battle because he was investigated by the police for retweeting a transphobic poem. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is quite funny, and it's like, it's and, and the policeman said to him, "We've got to check your thinking." You know, this is quite a famous case. And the problem with that is that. Um, that, that's come from the, the College of Policing, which is not the same as the police. It's just a group of woke people who've written a book, but that is how all the police are trained. And that's what all the police think. So you have to tackle that. But the government doesn't stand up and want to tackle that. Right. So it takes one individual who t- goes to a court case and then when it gets to court, the judge is like, this is ridiculous. Like day one, the judge was saying, what the hell is going on here? Mm-hmm. And also the judge was saying that free speech is there to defend unpalatable views. That's what it's for. Uh, we don't have uh, the conservatives. And now now, interestingly, in the, con- the new conservative manifesto, there is a commitment to free speech. There's a there's a commitment to to uh, to uphold certainly press free freedom of the press, which is new. Uh, that's quite interesting, because up until then, I, I would have said that neither the Conservative, Because, I mean, Theresa May had a terrible record on free speech. Theresa May kicked out Tyler, the creator. It wouldn't allow the a rapper, Tyler, the creator, to come to the UK because of his lyrics. And then he did a rap about Theresa May. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's great. There's, like, a rap about Theresa May online. Anyway, so... Um, but also, the Labour Party is anti-free speech, explicitly. You've had Corbyn ex- uh, threatening the press. Basically saying, if we get in, you better watch out. Right? And then we've got, like, doing all that sort of trash talk. And then you've got, like, um, and their freedom of speech, just generally speaking, they're they're not good on freedom of speech. So hate speech laws need to be abolished. We need to get rid of the electronic, uh, Section 127 of the Electronic Communications Act. But who's going to do it? That's the act, by the way, that says that if you transmit or write something online that could be deemed to be grossly offensive, uh, you can be arrested. Uh, it's
0: that, a dankular uh, it's clause. Exactly, <laughs>
1: yeah. um, many you know thousands of people arrested every year under that under that clause, um, and some of them saying really horrible, ghastly things. Uh, but so what? As in, that's their right. Um, not, not that you shouldn't uh, uh, criticise them for it. But, but but no, I draw the line at arresting anyone for anything like this. This is why Joe Brand was um, investigated by the police for for an obvious joke. So this stuff you might say is not serious, but it is serious. Because you've got to be vigilant when it comes to free speech. Otherwise, you end up like Canada. Otherwise, you end up like... You do. You end up like um, uh, Mike Ward. Yesterday, it was discovered, the comedian Mike Ward, who was uh, taken to the Quebec Human Rights Tribunal for a joke he told about a disabled boy. Um, And the idea being that this is such an offensive joke. And he was fined... Uh, Forty-two thousand pounds. In the end, after some legal wrangling, they it, it, it got down to thirty-five thousand dollars. Sorry, and then um, he appealed it, and they've upheld. They've said he, he can't. His appeal won't be upheld. He has to pay thirty-five thousand dollars for this joke. He's not going to do it, which means potentially he could go to jail. And he is not just some shit poster on YouTube. He's one of Canada's most successful comedians. So you've got, you know, I mean, Canada has a terrible track record on on free speech. It it is now becoming one of the most illiberal uh, countries in the West, which is really weird, you know. And I don't know uh, with under Justin Trudeau, who spends more time in blackface than out of
3: it.
1: (laughs) 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 uh, Right.
0: Let's take a question from this section if anyone's got one. All right. Oh, 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 there you you go. go. Um, Gender non-specific person at the (laughs) back. So um, uh, I've noticed that I've
1: actually been self-censoring quite a lot lately. Where I've, someone sent me something, and I think, oh, that's funny. That's that's. A, I want to say a joke. I'd be like, oh, that's gay, but I
0: don't want to say that. <laughs> if I get any fun- Maybe you should be self-censoring. <laughs> <laughs> it
3: was an anime about volleyball or something like that. And I
1: was like, oh, that's good. Uh, volleyball is quite gay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you've seen Top Gun, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> if I get any type of success in my life, like, say, 20 years from that, yeah, that's going to get the offence to archaeology. They're going to dig that up. Yeah. <laughs> no, he said that 20 years ago.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. Like,
1: do we just not say it, or just keep that quiet, or is it like because well, then we can't just joke about it? Well, you should always think about what you say, and you should always decide whether you know that you know. Can I justify that? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think where, where I have a problem is if you choose if you if you've if you've had that conversation with yourself and you choose to say what you want to say, and then people are going to uh, attack you for it and hound you out of your job. I can't get I can't get on board with that at all. Um, the offence archaeology thing is a really scary thing. Is it's literally anything, anything? Probably some stuff I've said today. Could get me in trouble. Um, everything, in fact, you've everything, said. yeah. <laughs> and and I, I just, uh, but no more than that. Mistakes that you've made. Like, what if I've made a joke and it didn't quite work, or maybe I've I, I've said things which I don't mean, or so, you know, all that sort of stuff. And then someone can sort of find it and, and 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 try and smear your character. But as Obama said, we're all human beings with flaws, and we're not perfect. And the expectation of ideological purity is a horrible, intolerant thing. Um, but then the New York Times just said, "Yeah, but he's a boomer, so he would say that." I mean, literally, <laughs> that's literally what they said. So that's the level of debate that we're at at the moment. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, when it comes to things like racial epithets, uh, homophobic epithets, all the rest of it, what I'd like to think is that we we're sort of we sort of educated out of them, aren't like we? We're, when we're at school, I think at school is where you can be quite militant about what people say because you you said about because I think to be an autonomous adult, you have to be well socialised. So you can't just have kids just swearing and you know, you know taking gack and it, or whatever it is they're doing. You know, you can't. Have, you've got to control kids and, and, and make sure they understand parameters and boundaries. I think when it comes to adults, no, fuck off. They can say whatever they want and do whatever they've made that choice. They're autonomous beings. You know, so yeah, it's a it's a it's a tricky one. Um, but I don't think anyone should lose their job for saying a joke is gay. You know, I, I think it's probably a, a, a silly thing to say, but so so what. But what do you think about this
0: idea of self-censorship? Because this is something people ask me a lot as well. A lot of people, and I know this from talking to a lot of people from doing my show, most people actually in the country, I think it's 73% of British people think that... I know you don't like this, but political correctness has gone too far, basically. Right. So most people feel like... To some extent, they are having to censor themselves. Yeah,
1: but I know what they mean by that.
0: Yeah, I know, I know. So how how do we break out of that as a society of being in this kind of death grip of fearing to speak your mind?
1: So honesty is a really good thing. I I think um, saying what you actually think is 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 a good idea uh, to a degree. (laughs) Um, No, but I think like okay, so I think in our job we do say whatever we want, and we're very privileged. But you don't do that. I wouldn't do that if I was still working as a teacher. And I wouldn't tweet the things I tweet. Or when I worked at the call centre, like a lot of people, when they work in place, they they, they tend to just they don't joke very much anymore because they're worried about what people will overhear uh, and and misconstrue and all the dangers that come with it. You get fired from ASDA for retweeting a Billy Connolly video, stuff like that. <laughs> so people that, that actually happened. Yeah. So people are are very nervous. There is a so this is why I'm very clear about this. So when people say to me, the criticism I always get is, oh, you're always going on about how no one can say anything anymore. And I don't say that and I don't argue that. What I'm saying is we've created a climate where the consequences for being honest can be so devastating that people aren't going to do it. And that's why the polls are always wrong, because if, if you have a mass media telling everyone in the country, if you vote for Brexit, you're a racist or support racism, you know, and someone phones you up and says, which way are you planning on voting? You're not going to say, well, I'm a racist. Are you? <laughs> you're going to keep it to yourself, and then the polls are misleading, right? So I think you've got two sort of discourses going on. You've got, you've got what people actually think and what they're expected to think. There's a thing called preference falsification, where what you do is you articulate the view that you expect to be the most popular, um, instead of the thing you actually think. And that's not helpful to anyone uh, because we need to have open uh, discussions and debates about stuff. But like I'm willing, if you want to say anything I've said tonight is, is wrong or objectionable even, um, then I'm, I would love to have that conversation, right? But what I don't want you doing is phoning the police and saying he shouldn't have said this or whatever. You know, that, that's where I, I think it's too far. Out of interest, if there's anyone who's got a question who would like to disagree with me, that would be really good because I, I, I do really welcome that.
0: Oh, there you go. It's not a disagreement, but just something...
1: What did I just say? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: what's, your, what's, your, what's your take on anonymity? Uh, for instance, like, it's easy to be anonymous and say what you want, yeah. but it's harder to kind of put your name out there and say what you think. So wh- what's your take on that? Especially when
1: Right. You're I suppose it fits into what we've just been saying as far as... I think if everyone were just honest, if everyone were just open about what they think, they would reach a kind of tipping point where you can't sack everyone. And 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 particularly when it comes to the, the excesses of the social justice movement, because most people hate this stuff and are sick of it and are sick of being talked down to. Um if everyone just spoke their minds, we might realise that actually we're in the majority. And this powerful clique of very of, of privately educated um bigots uh would, wouldn't have the power anymore. And I think that's so that's why I think it's really great when people and you end up with strange bedfellows. Right? So now I have friends who are conservatives who I never, I never had conservative friends. Like, that sounds awful, but just because of the circles I moved in, and now, and now I've got lots, and I've got friends from all over the, you know, I, with that event we went to recently, where like at, at, at lunch there was um, the head of the atheist society sitting next to an evangelical American pastor, <laughs> right but they both agree on the free speech issue. They hate everything each other stands for, but they can talk about this stuff. And that's what we want. Uh, but, that, but that but that is that is that's a weird situation to be in, now, isn't it? Where you have and also I've started meeting all these these monsters of the right. You meet these monsters, the people who you've told are absolute monsters and you meet them and they're like, "You're you're nice." You meet them and you realize that they're actually decent people. They've just been completely mischaracterized. And this is what this is the big I spend all my whenever I get into arguments on Twitter, which I shouldn't do, right? But whenever I do, it's always someone has mischaracterized what I think and misrepresented what I think. And they've said, you think this, you think this, you think this. And they're always completely so far off. So I end up arguing from a position I don't hold. Like, I I end up in, sort of embodying this monster they've created in order to argue. And it's it's absolutely futile, you know? So we need to do something about it. I, I, again, I don't know any of the answers. But I think honesty is a really good place to start you know just saying what you think and not being afraid of of there's more support than you think is what is what i'd say
2: and the the question that we always end on every episode of trigonometry constantin would you do the honors is what's the one thing we're not
0: talking about as a society that we really should be talking about
1: okay uh, there's lots of things i think education is a big thing i think um i think I can't I wonder if I said this last time when I was interviewed with you, but fuck it I'll, We've interviewed so many times I know, so you're running be, out
0: of answers to that question, aren't <laughs> you?
1: I'll be unoriginal, but I do think it is about critical thinking. Uh I think it's about I think it's about if you let people know it's about political debate. It's about argument. It's it's that if you let people know that once they've insulted someone or shouted something or pretended they think something, your opponent thinks something they don't, you have automatically lost that argument. It's it's over. You know, so, so trying to instill that into people, trying to get people to think for themselves and not according to an ideological rule book would be great. Um, getting people to challenge their own ideas would be really good. All of this stuff comes back to what you embed at school, I think. Right? Not just assuming that something that someone says is, is, is right. Uh, I'm terrified of people who cannot self-reflect and cannot think about their, think about their perspectives and why they hold them. I think that's really scary to me, and I see that a lot uh, in, in the woke movement. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the thing we should be talking about. How, how do we make that change? Again, I don't know the answer to that, but that's something that, if we could get to that point, uh, that would probably solve all of our problems in terms of political tribalism and all of that kind of thing. But how we get there, I don't know.
2: And on that note, uh, but guys, thank you so much for coming out. Uh, please, please, please give a round of applause to Alice Marshall. <laughs> Give a round of applause to our guest, Andrew Doyle. And you've been absolutely awesome. Thank you very much. Have an amazing day.